0: Hey, welcome everybody. How you doing? How you feeling? Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Pretender to Contender with your host. That's me, Joe Mataris. How the heck are you? No cold open of commercials uh, this <laughs> this week, but we are going to get right to some quick plugs right at the top before I get to my interview. Which is with a uh, a guy I never met before. He played uh, he played baseball with my brother at GW. They I guess you know they both had scholarships. They played baseball at GW, and uh, this guy went into stand up comedy. Believe it or not, he went into stand up comedy, and then uh, he found his feet and uh, still does stand up. But uh, he's a he's a he's a midday radio guy in DC. On one hundred six point seven, the fan, and uh, he he kind of uh, accidentally uh, came kind of into my uh, wheelhouse of uh, of guests that I wanted on the show when I saw him. Uh, I saw him on television doing this Charles Barkley impression that was cracking me the fuck up, and he was doing it with Charles Barkley, which was even funnier. And uh, well. Why explain that when I can just play it? I'm going to play it right here at the cold, cold top here. This is him with uh, Charles Barkley recently uh, talking basketball. It's pretty classic hearing the impression talking to the real guy. He joins us from Washington, D.C. Oh!
1: <laughs> and I'm looking forward to, to Chuck interviewing Chuck. This is a great play. First of all, it's a pleasure to have me here. It's an honor. Like I say, I've been doing this for many years, and I've been doing a, I've been doing this for very long, and it's good to be appreciated. I was listening to y'all talk before I came on the air, and we didn't win as many awards as we should have. I'm spinning some industry secrets. Back to you, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> what you got for the Chuckster? What are you? So, what have you always wanted to know? Well, there's a, there's a first question for Chuck. This is Chuck. I want to ask you, first of all, like I say, uh, how come when it's your turn to talk, you push your right hand down on the podium like this and brace yourself like it's an earthquake. Why you do that?
0: So, my guest uh, today is Danny Rouet. <laughs> Rouet. It's like a, a French sounding uh, name there R O U H I E R. Danny Rouet will be here in a uh, couple of minutes. But some quick plugs right here at the top. Uh, first off, If you want to come and see me live, I got some live dates coming up. June 26th, which is this Saturday, I'll be in Chemung, New Jersey. July 18th, I'll be in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. July 23rd, I'll be in Bound Brook, New Jersey. And then on July 28th, I will be at Jackie B's in Scarsdale, New York, which is like 10 minutes from my house, and it looks like uh, a place I'm going to be uh, doing a lot of shows at. It's going to be exciting, and I'm going to book some uh, other uh, other name acts out of the New York City area there at Jackie B's in Scarsdale. All you got to do is go to com to get tickets to any of those shows, Also, if you're interested in doing any sort of advertising on the podcast, and something I'm going to just start offering now is uh, crossing over onto my TikTok. My TikToks just broke over 60,000 followers. I've had a few different TikTok videos getting the millions. One had 1.7 million views, another one had 1.2 million views. So if you want to do some advertising where maybe, you know, we come up with some ad campaigns together, but I'm going to mix it with my stand-up clips because that's what does the best for me, if you've noticed, the stand-up clips. So I might be able to incorporate them and uh, do some promos for different companies out there that might do something, you know, nationally. You know, local businesses don't really work on uh, social media. So if you do something, you know, maybe you build websites or maybe... Uh let's think of another thing maybe um you have a podcast and you want to do uh promote it or maybe uh let's think of something else um maybe you 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 sell clothing you have like a clothing line and you want to uh promote it and you do a lot of online sales lots of different businesses real estate get a hold of uh get a hold of Ed Raymond cuz he's going to be doing all the uh the business for the Chop Sports Network, which my podcast is on. But right now, uh, you can get a hold of him at joeyspod at gmail.com if you want to do some advertising on all the podcasts that are on Chop Sports Network or, like I said, cross it over into social media and uh, do some stuff on TikTok with me. So get a hold of Ed Raymond at joeyspod at gmail.com. Also, if you listen to any of these uh, podcast episodes, as I don't have a Patreon anymore, kind of got rid of it, if you want to ever throw a tip to the podcast, you're like, oh, that was a great episode, I'm going to give Joe a dollar or I'm going to give Joe $5 or whatever you want to send me. If you send me $10 or more, I send you the download to my brand-new comedy album called Completely Present, all right? So all you have to do is Venmo me a tip, $10 or more, boom, you get the download. It's at the Joe Matarese, M-A-T-A-R-E-S-E. All right, let's get to the interview. I wanted to get right to it. We'll be right back with Danny Rouillet. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. We'll get to the interview. This is perfect because, like, uh, I know nothing about you. And I, uh, and my my family, I, it's funny, my mom and dad were visiting, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm interviewing this guy today. My parents left about an hour ago, they uh-huh. were here for a couple days. And I said, yeah, I'm interviewing this guy, Danny, and he used to play with uh, Chris on GW uh, when he played baseball there. And he's like, they're like, Maybe it was a different year than Chris. I go, no, I think he's the same year. I go, what do you rem- you think you remember? I mean, my brother, I don't know how well you guys knew each other when you played on the same baseball team, but my brother was always idolized by my parents growing up.
1: Well, yeah, Little yeah. League World Series, bro. He's a, he's a national treasure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, he. Uh, they lost to the team that won the whole World Series. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Did, did Did you know
1: that? Oh yeah, dude. Day one on campus, like before, like I he he roomed with this dude named Cassidy Smith, Guess, uh, yeah. who was like a seventh year senior, um, uh-huh. just just not kind and welcoming to anybody at all. And it was like him and you know him and I always called him him and Matt Reese, him and Chris living together. And like thirteen seconds in, as I've cracked my first beer, it's like guy was in the Little League World Series <laughs> eighty eight or like whatever the year was. You know what I mean? Like I'm like okay, you know we're That's we're here now thing. though in a dorm. The funny Not, thing is, no, he
0: and he didn't even make it to Williamsport. He wasn't in the Little League World Series. He lost the game that would have took them to Williamsport to the team uh-huh. in Trumbull, Connecticut. Trumbull, Connecticut, man, up, Chris yeah, Drury. Yeah, to end up win, winning the whole thing. So, uh that's funny that you that's how you were oh, introduced.
1: Dude. I mean, we could we could do the entire episode if you wanted to on some great stories of your bro. <laughs> like first road trip that's one of the 10 funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life an unbelievable exchange uh so many like just amazing moments I don't want to spoil anything but he he not nah, I tell you what, we can we can just talk about it if you want to but just that he was hilarious man I want to
0: hear. I, he- I want to hear it because g- give me the top give me the top one then maybe I mean uh that's the thing I've said this on my podcast before you know I've been podcasting for years lots yeah. of different ones and uh Whenever my brother comes up I would always say my brother's funnier off stage than me but on stage I'm funnier. Like right. he doesn't know yeah. how to do he doesn't even have that want at all to yeah. perform. But so, he he was was he a, he was a funny teammate it sounds like.
1: Well, yeah, he was a great teammate. Just, just so much fun to be around and just but one of my favorite moments um we're in a buddy's room and there's a menu folder. It says menus on it. The mm-hmm. word menus Mm-hmm. inside our menus to various delivery establishments around. Right. You can tell the gears are turning. Like you there's a there everyone everyone kind of goes they know a menace moment's coming. So like everybody kind of stops and is sort of generally looking at him. He's got this like thing on his face, right? Like he's like he smells something rotten, like he gets it nobody else does. Looks <laughs> to the front, looks inside again. Looks to the front, looks inside again. Everyone's looking at him and he goes, "What the fuck is menace?" Menus. The folder of menus and to, to no one but anybody who would help him what the fuck is menace? It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny.
0: Yo, That's there fun. are menus
1: inside, like you know what I mean? All the different like Chinese food, Thai food, pizza, clearly menus with all the food that you can order from these various establishments in exchange for money. He could I, what the fuck is menace?
0: <laughs> I used to do a stand-up bit about how it's even worse when you say something stupid. Yeah, when you curse and get pissed about it, and I think my joke was, and it was a real moment. I go, "Who the fuck?" Jesus, let's see if I can remember. It It was the guy. It was literally the vice president of the United States. Yeah, when let's think. Maybe it was Clinton, George Clinton, or uh, Bill Clinton. I just Bill said Clinton, George GPA. Clinton. George Clinton's a, is a musician.
1: <laughs> Bill who Parliament was the, P- Punk, right?
0: Bill Clinton's vice president. Can can you do you know? Yeah, it was Al Gore. Okay. It might have been Al Gore and I and it was like Bill Clinton had just become president and I said something like who the fuck is Al Gore to my roommate when I was living in Los Angeles and he goes the v- vice president the vice president and I go of the United States like that and like I did a whole bit about yeah. how when you're dumb and you curse it yeah. makes it so much worse yeah. like, what the fuck is you know, the vice president
1: of a company locally <laughs> here in LA so are you, are you, are you in New York now or Jersey now? Where are you?
0: Where are you? I'm in uh, new Rochelle, New York. Oh, right I, on. I've been in New York, different parts close to New York city for like 25 years. That's why I have the Yankee hat on, but yeah. I also, I also, uh, I'm a Phillies fan at heart, you know? Um, uh, but I've lived here the same amount of time that I lived in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. is that which, crazy? Yeah. So. You live in D.C., right?
1: Yeah, so I was in New York for like five, six years, some, mostly on, like mostly there. And then I, when I got the radio show back down here, I kind of was splitting time between New York and D.C., taking the bus down a couple days a week, sort of whatever, you know, doing the normal stand-up grind like everybody else, you know. And we can certainly talk about this, but like, the writing was on the wall that like I was not, it just wasn't going to happen, you know. Like the like the dudes that are getting plucked out of my group, it's like. Camille Nangiani, Hannibal Burris, my buddy Rory Scovell and, and John Mullaney and Pete Holmes. And it's like standard issue stocky white guy with a little bit of a gripe. Like we've seen that. We don't care, you know? So it was like, let me <laughs> let me kind of rechannel and take a take a different thing. But well yeah.
0: All right. Well, my podcast, I don't know if you know, it's so it's called Pretender to Contender. So yeah, yeah. I interview people in different fields and I like to figure out how they um they became uh, you, you know what they are and 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 their story so like so obviously you were where you were because you know i know you from knowing my brother and playing at gw whereas mm-hmm. my brother had a baseball scholarship i don't know if you had a scholarship also mm-hmm. and where uh where you grew up and uh did you did you have thoughts of wanting to be a major league baseball oh yeah player then
1: or 100%. Hundred percent, and you you don't realize how stupid that is until you get kind of close to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's I'm not big enough to be big, I'm not fast enough to be fast. You know, I'm not uh, some loose arm Dominican kid at 15 throwing 90. They're like, who cares? Right. Th- this is we again. We've seen this. This is probably not that interesting, <laughs> but you still hold on to those kind of dreams until you realize that the answer is no. Like, and nobody's calling, nobody wants you, and it's like, okay, get on with your life. You know, you've been you've been doing this like every day for 20 years. And you're not good enough. And it's like, that is a really hard thing to face. Basically being told through indifference that you're not good enough and nobody's interested.
0: Well, so you got to GW though. So, I mean, where, where did you grow
1: up? DC area. I didn't even set out to stay at home. I didn't even mean to. I, you know, was, uh, went to kindergarten through college in, in DC, which was never my intent, you know, but like Mm -hmm. playing ball with like older kids and guys that would come back from school. Like every one of them to a man, Joe was like, God, I hate my coach. I hate my coach. I hate my coach. And so I'm going, well, I, I want to go somewhere where I like the coach, right. which I guess is as good a reason as any to pick a school. It's not, by the way, it's dumb. I figured out why everyone hates their coach. He makes you run at five o'clock in the morning. He makes you go to class. He yells at you and I, Oh, now I get that. But so the coach I liked the best was the guy at GW was a new guy uh, that had been there for your bros. Sophomore year was his first year, right? So we were his first recruiting class. It was me and a bunch of um, uh, the guys in, in my class and, Uh, you know, it was the best recruiting class that the school had had in in some time. And we helped usher in kind of this major turnaround at at, at the school, you know, where I think the year before they were 18 and 34, the following year, we were 34 and 18, one of the largest turnarounds in all of D1. And the next year, the recruiting class was even better. And we kept getting better and better. And then the coach kind of went to the school, went to the athletic department, like, Hey, how about some resources? How about some support? And they said, here's a nickel, follow it around. Kick it around or write a report about it. Like, pound sand. You suck. We don't care, you know? And so eventually he he moved on a, uh, a few years after I I graduated. But um, how did I get started talking about that? Anyway, but yeah, like it just ended up being that way, you know? And it was the kind of thing where you shouldn't choose a school based on the head coach. You should choose a school based on like what would happen if you blew out your knee and couldn't play anymore. I didn't do that, but, you know, I ended up having a pretty good time.
0: Right, I mean, GW still, you know, it was a good school outside yeah. of sports. So, and it's in Washington D.C. Even mm-hmm. though you grew up there, people that aren't from there, like, it's one of my favorite places to go to as a, as yeah, a comedian. Sure. It always had it had a scene. You know, yeah, it, it was wasn't a great like, place
1: to start, dude. It was a great place to start doing stand up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know. Berbiglia was my gu- the guy I knew when I was mm-hmm. coming up that was from D.C. i don't always remember when he was first coming up from D.C. Mike Berbiglia. And uh, okay, so so you're playing baseball. And what position were you?
1: Uh, third base, left field. Third
0: base, it. left field. Yeah. Okay. And and do you do you have any injuries pop up that you know what's what's happening with your baseball career? When does it start to shift towards? comedy and now you know you you're being a radio broadcaster
1: yeah so a couple years after you so um, you know i finished playing go to a couple tryout camps like catch on for like a couple days here there but you know it's over i mean it's it's obvious that it's over and i have to like acknowledge and face the fact that it's over and so i still have a semester left of school i always took one less class in the spring because it was like play 60 games and you don't really, you know, you don't go to us like half your classes after February 15th. You know, you just can't be there in the afternoons, you know, most of the time. So I always took one less class in the spring. I finish up that fall and I'm like coaching, you know, kids and, and working back at uh, my old high school in the alumni office, you know, just kind of treading, treading water, you know, not really doing anything and was looking for something. I needed a drug without actually doing drugs. I had something that that I could do every day that, it's like, hey, you spend five, six, seven, eight hours doing this. It's your full-time thing. It's your passion, Make, you know, getting in shape and hitting baseballs. And I loved it. Well, that wasn't welcome anymore. So it's like you got to find something. And on a whim, I took an improv class at the DC Improv, right? Sure. Just my buddies were like, dude, you got to go do it. Stop being a pussy and whatever. So I go and I do it. And I instantly fall in love with performing. Met another stand-up comic in the class, a dude named J.L. Calvin, who's uh, gone right now, viral doing Trump stuff. He's been on uh, podcast the podcast. Yeah, before. so we both are, you know, our buddies have some friends in common. Mm-hmm. And He and I kind of, you know, get together, and I start learning how to write jokes. And I'm terrible. I didn't know I was terrible, um, but you know, as soon as I got on stage that first time, and I mean, you know, the feeling—you look back at yourself and you would cringe. But the first time I got a laugh, I said, "That's it. I'm doing that. That—that's my—that's my skydiving. That's my heroin. That's the thing. I want right. that. I want to make people." laugh and get that instant feedback because it's it's there's nothing like it in the world
0: right so you're like 21 years old when you or 22 years old when you do your first like open yeah, like mic 24 stand-up. ish you know 24 ish
1: yeah and i'm just so, filled with so much regret that i didn't start sooner you know what i mean it's one of those things where i should have done it while i was in school i should you know they open mic things the dc improv had the funniest college competition all that kind of crap and i was too much of a pussy to do it i just didn't do it because you know In, in, in our thing in sports and then the the high school I went to, it's like, nobody steps out of line. You don't step out of line. You just inch forward. And then at the very end, it's like consultant lawyer, doctor, shut up, you know, just pick your thing. And I knew that wasn't me. I knew I wasn't one of the drama kids. They didn't like me. I didn't like them. I didn't want to rehearse and, and say someone else's lines. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to create my own stuff. And it wasn't until I finally had the nuts to do it um, in my mid-20s that I got started. And I regret, you know, wasting those first five, six years of not doing it.
0: Yeah. And you knew my brother. And if you That's were, right. like, into comedy then, he would have been like, oh, well, you should uh, you should meet my brother. He could probably uh, hook you up or get, do something. So we're,
1: we're in his dorm room. He got everyone together. He's like, my, my brother's on MTV Spring Break doing some shit. I don't fucking know. Come watch it. I remember you did a set. Oh, uh, at an MTV spring break event in like '98. It's like Eric Nye's with like 19 abs, <laughs> and you in front of a bunch of drunk, uh, you know, 18 year olds with fake IDs and Cabo or some shit, wherever it was. And I felt terrible for you because no one paid attention. It was like the worst place probably ever to do comedy. Yeah. Just a bunch of bikini clad people, like dudes with thongs up their taint, and you're up there trying to do a tight five. It was, I it was, was something, you know? And
0: I was very new. Yeah. It was my yeah. first, if you saw the one I think you saw, it was my first. TV appearance. One of your
1: first TV credits, I think.
0: Yeah. And I had to go and I had to follow Jim Brewer, who was on Saturday Night Live at the time, and did nothing but shows in front of college kids. You yeah. know, and that was his thing, and he was really energetic and jumping all over the place. And then me and uh oh my god, yeah, dude. It was a fucking it was and it was on every day for like yeah. every day. It would be on like four or five times a day. I was you like caught a
1: bunch. <laughs> everybody. Yeah.
0: Everybody would come up to me. Yeah. So uh it's funny. Uh It's pathetic. It's funny that you look at it as like, yeah, dude, they, they weren't listening to you. And like, this is how egotistical I am. I remember thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to I'm going to be big. I'm going to make it. You know because there was all these famous guys on with me it was like norm mcdonald was the host jim brewer margaret cho yep. uh, andy dick oh my god yeah 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 so so okay so you start the the comedy thing and then i guess you know it, it feels pretty good and then you do you just go all in on stand up
1: yeah i mean it's, as, as much as you can right while still having student loans while still being able to support yourself as much as you can with like a crappy day job or whatever. I, but you have a day
0: it. job. And yeah. So I'm still still it? in
1: DC. Um, I was a government contractor by day after I left uh, the the previous job I had. It was good because you were not allowed to stay late. They couldn't ask you to stay late. There was no special event. So it's like every night I could, you know, get on stage and, and work, you know. And that was really, really good. It was a, DC was a great place to start doing stand-up. You could get stage time. Pretty quickly, You know, and then having, you know, later on lived in New York, I realized how much of a challenge that was sometimes, you know, where you, you're begging for five minutes at the cake shop at 5pm, you know, uh, while nobody's oh, listening yeah. to you. So that was a great place to start and audiences are pretty good and help, help you hone your material. And the DC Improv had some kind of event, right, where Comedy Central came to town. Remember the live at Gotham things that, that, that Comedy Central did forever. And they were like, hey, we want to, you know, mine for local talent at a few different places. DC Improv, pick your best eight young up-and-coming comics, whatever, right? They did one, I'm sure, like in Memphis, Miami, and a million other places, right? So I'm not on that list, which happens. Shit happens, you know? Like a lot of guys that weren't on that list or sending, you know, you emails to people and, and cursing everybody out and burning bridges, I waited a couple of days, calmed down, and I said, hey, I sent an email to the to, to the booker, I said, hey, I want to do this. I love this. How do I make sure that I'm on that list next time? How do I make sure that I'm in there? And she waits a week and then writes me back this email that she would write someone that has never done stand-up before. You know what I mean? Like we're like, if you, someone was like, Joe, what advice would you give to an aspiring standup? And you would go, get up, get out, get on, get on stage, get on stage, <laughs> find your voice, uh, you know, videotape yourself. Just these things that are like, you don't know what I do. Like you have me categorized as someone that sucks because you saw me when I did and you don't understand, and that's not your job to understand. I mean, well, maybe some might argue it is, but you're not responsible for my career. So I'm like, I'm not waiting around anymore. I'm not going to sit here and wait for scraps from the table for the one club in town if I want to if I want to work twice a year, you know? So I asked my then-girlfriend at the time, now wife, married with a couple kids. Sorry, honey. Like, we, I dragged her up to New York, and it's like, I got to try to do something else that's not just waiting in line, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So you went to New York soon. Yeah. So you're... St- how how long in the stand-up were you when you hit New York?
1: So that was about four years. Been doing it about four years. Had you had a couple okay. decent credits, no MTV spring break stuff, but I had a couple things that, that were okay. Uh-huh. And I right as I moved up there, I had a TV show on Animal Planet, right? Just a weird set of coincidences where they had it was when best week ever was like the biggest thing in the world. Right? and all, and every comic in New York was was doing best week ever stick and whatever. and so Animal Planet wanted to do something similar. They wanted to capitalize off that momentum, knowing that comics work for dirt cheap and so they had a bunch of us come in and write our own jokes about like the ten sexiest animals, the ten dumbest animals, the ten most dangerous animals, the ten worst infestations, whatever the countdown was, and so I, I, I worked hard at it and got on a bunch of those shows, and it's the same thing like you're talking about. I had this TV show, and I'm like, bring me my gigs. <laughs> bring forth my agency, my representation. My, I, I wish to, I wish to command all the comedy in New York. I shall be your gatekeeper. And no one cared. Like no one cared at all. And it was the first one of those, whatever you want to call that. It was the first time that happened where I assume I've arrived. I assume that I'm now like the King shit and no one cared even a little bit. And it was, it was, then you sort of realized like no one's responsible for you you put your nose down and you just insist that you're a big deal. You just have to like try really hard and even then it may not work.
0: And what year was that? Because I'm guessing it's pre-social media. It's yeah, pre-internet.
1: So it's like, oh, six, oh, seven in right. there. So you right? can't, we moved you, up. can't yeah.
0: you can't, the problem with getting TV shows back then, you know, because that's when I did all of my stuff. Yeah. You know, all my TV shows were in the 2000, early 2000s to the mid to late 2000s no social media. So you just get on the show and it's on. And whoever watches it is your fans, you know, and how many people know are going to sit down and know somebody from having a show on the, on animal planet, you know, very few as it turns out. Yeah. So, but if you, if social media existed, there's ways where Mm -hmm. you take those videos and boom, 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 boom. boom. You know, you, you just missed it. It's a lot of timing in showbiz. Okay. Oh, for sure. So you're doing that you're in New York city. Where, where are you living in New York City? And we you lived, get uh, your Lower side, and you get your girlfriend to move there with you. Yeah, wow, that's a good that was, that's a good woman.
1: Yeah, that was that was a, that was a major leap. And it, the conversation a few years later, like, hey, you're gonna laugh, but can we move back to where we came from? <laughs> now that you love here, living here in New York, uh, I got this radio thing, but uh, but yeah, that was that was a, that was a major step. You know, we've been dating for just under a year at that point so it was like i i knew that this was the person i was going to end up with or at least i hoped you know mm-hmm. uh, i don't know that she knew that just yet but mm-hmm. yes yeah, so ultimately i was like hey i kind of don't want to go without you and i kind of won't go without you so let's see if we can do that and she was cool with it and we had some harrowing living situations in in new york like mice infest the normal story mice infestations roaches fighting the mice i mean just it was awful uh, Right, a, a couple but, different spots but you, you know? did
0: do new york city like a lot of people yeah. will move up and do uh a Queens is where all the comedians move because it's cheaper or yep. they'll go into Brooklyn and have like four roommates but you just did you and your girlfriend in Manhattan so it had to be small and it had to be pretty shitty unless you guys were cranking in good day job money then
1: now, yeah not us uh so yeah it was it was small and shitty but yeah. it, it drove me crazy Joe because like it, when I first got there all the shows were close either like one subway stop into Brooklyn or like, you know, there were, there were like a dozen that were walking distance and a lot of pretty good rooms. Rafifi, we had a show there for a little while after Aziz Ansari's group left, you know, we ran uh, Sweetheaven on Tuesday nights. and Like we had a bunch of great acts come in and it became like a cool place to hang out. Then Rafifi closed. Then all the comics, as you said, start moving to Astoria. So now it's like an hour and a half subway trip with like seven connections. To get to a mic on on tuesday night i'm like what the what is the point of it i might as well live in pennsylvania like why am i doing this right up here in new york and and all of a sudden now the shows are in like the the outer of the outer boroughs you know
0: so like so i'm i'm just guessing here so two years in to new york you start doing what you do with your baseball career where you're like i'm a white guy i'm not am- i'm not amazing at this i'm not amazing at that you start calculating instead of like going okay old maybe you know when you have a wife or she's not your wife i don't know when you end up do you guys get engaged before you leave new york to go back yeah. to D- so
1: we end up getting we, we get engaged get married we actually got married at the first real world house in in new york city 632 really? on hudson which is which is kind of wild. that just it wasn't on purpose It's not because we love the real world or something like that it's just this really awesome venue and it was the best one we saw and we kind of said well let's just do it all right here uh-huh. but um but yeah, it's it's one of those things where and it's inevitable in our thing, right, where you can't help it. I mean, everybody that would come to a table with what they've got, you would always find someone. like, Oh, I want what he's got. I want what he's got. It's just It's normal for us. But we can't help compare ourselves to to our peers, to our buddies. And so when uh, one of my best friends is, uh, is got named Rory Scovel, who I'm sure. You probably so I know I, I
0: know about. Rory Scovel. Well, yes.
1: Yeah. So we started at the same time in D.C., move up to New York around the same time. And, you know, we were in each other's weddings and we're great buds. He gets plucked to do Montreal. I can't even get a freaking audition. You know, like uh, John Mulaney starts writing on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, Pete Holmes is clearly skyrocketing, about to do a million things. This is way before crashing and everything else. But, like, you could tell that it's different for him and Kumail. And Hannibal Burris is doing guest spots here. And him and Tracy Morgan are going on the road and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm not getting any of those things. Nothing's happening for me.
0: Well, this, You know, it's this, not a
1: race. But at the same time, you can't help but look at that. And so after, like, a few years of doing, doing shows and you go out of the city to make money and, you know, kind of the normal thing that, that I'm sure you, you've experienced, you kind of realize, you know what, there's a choice here. I could, I could do this sort of this romantic artist thing where I don't, where I make summer after sophomore year money uh, into my thirties. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm I'm not producing anything, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm true true to the art form and maybe my break will happen. Louis CK style or, you know, Roddy Dangerfield style in my fifties or sixties. I could be a road dog comic driving 12 hours to a Bennigan's on a Thursday in in Poughkeepsie, or I could kind of pull off and do this thing in entertainment. And I get lucky as hell. Um, I'm doing these weekly kind of stupid YouTube videos before YouTube is like overpopulated with like people yelling about video games. Mm-hmm. And I get this show on Sirius XM with Nate Robinson, the guy that won the dunk contest, five foot seven dude on Shade 45, very hip hop guy. You can see clearly right here, just, uh, just a, a, a suburban white uh, that went to private school, me and Nate Robinson doing a show on che 45. And as soon as that happened, I became sexy back to the folks in D.C. So, you know how what did, I mean? So, how did, they didn't and, care how before.
0: Did, and how did that happen? How did that,
1: that's the most random set happen? of events, you know, like when I was still living here and I love being on the radio, I love doing radio spots uh, when I go on the road and, and everything else. Remember I did um, Bob and Tom in Indianapolis when I worked. Morty's comedy joint and was there They had an awesome time doing the show and they let me hang out for like an hour and a half doing voices and characters and shit. And it was really fun. And I was like, I like that almost as much as I like being on stage. You know, this is really, really cool. And just, to, but it seemed like a pipe dream. Like everyone wants to be on the radio. Every idiot like us is like my sports opinion is better than other people's sports opinion. I should give it professionally. Like nobody cares about your, about your thing. Right. So I'm begging the folks back back here on this uh, uh, guy talk sports talk station, like please let me come in Sunday morning at 5 a.m. I'll 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 do I'll, I'll wipe the floors. Let me just let me in. They didn't care. The answer is no. I'm just like everyone else. Well, once I got something up there in New York, you know how you know what it's like. You know what it's like at Caroline's on a Wednesday night at like doing a prom show at two in the morning. You know what that's like. Yeah. You know what it's like barking in bridge and tunnel, folks at at uh, at New York Comedy Club. You know those sets. People outside of New York don't. They think that's a huge deal when you list Caroline's on Broadway as a credit, right? So once I start doing stuff in New York, all of a sudden now back in D.C., it's like, hey, do you want to come down and, and be on the radio? Yes, is the answer. And I just kept saying yes and I was taking the bus a couple of days a week back and forth between New York and D.C. and doing nights and part time and fill in and whatever they wanted and got my foot in the door. And that was, uh, you know, late 2010, 2011, get a full time gig, move everybody back down. And I've been on the radio in D.C. a little north of 10 years now.
0: Oh wow! So I mean, it's it's obvious to me when I hear your story, what what kind of happens, and it's um, and I hear a lot of guys talk about this, and and even me, who's been doing you know stand up comedian for thirty years, and I can t- but I can tell the difference in the last like three years, mm-hmm. and it it happened faster for you, which is you, and if if you're aware of this you didn't just, you, you, you weren't just trying to be funny anymore. Like you got a friend named, you know, you know, you got Rory Scovel who's like doing really well. And it, it could have been easy for you to go, well, what about me is like Rory Scovel or how should I be like Rory? He's doing pretty good. What should, should I make kind of, or am I the same? But what really is when you get successful in probably any career is when you go, Oh no, I know what I want to do with this. Like, I want to be on the radio. And then you go, what do I have to do to get on that? But what what's really hard is it takes you a, it, there's usually an evolution until you figure out what you want to do with being funny. You know, where, where am I going to take it? Do I want to be in movies? Do I want to be a sitcom guy? You know, you know, Rory. I, I mean, I can tell talking to you in five minutes, the difference between you and Rory is he's way outside the box. He's odd. Yeah. he's So he's really a white, really basic-looking white guy, but when you see him, he's odd. And, and then he, he kind of did any team up kind of? That's the stuff that stood out to me is when I saw him – do the stuff with that John door guy where they, they were doing the weird shit on Conan. I was like, I fuck, I love when guys do really weird stuff Mm -hmm. and it's funny. So, and you can tell like, you're a little bit like me. We're like, you know what? I like being a dad or I like being a husband. I'm kind of normal. And how do I do that? And so you did that come into play for you where you're like, Mm -hmm. radio is like in the same place every day. Wow. I can be home with my wife. This is pretty,
1: I like this. Hundred percent. I mean, and the big part of that, Joe, I think is 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 authenticity. And what I mean is, you know, again, you have to kind of have this you have to kind of be self-aware and you have to kind of come to a to a moment where there's a decision point. And it's like there are certain kinds of folks. And, I, and I'm not doing like them. I'm an angry white guy that's been discriminated against her. I'm not mm. doing that at all. But like right. they make a lot of me. They make a lot of like kind of stocky white guys. You know that that don't really have any kind of different quality like oh you do a couple voices that's adorable there's there's plenty of me there's not that many of of kumail nanjiani pakistani immigrant living in chicago who's brilliant and funny and can do a million different things like that guy's an amazing talent i'm different than that they're not looking for me they're looking for different and and i and i could try to pretend to be something like when i first started doing stand-up my two favorite comics were brian Regan and mitch Hedberg. so i basically would alternate between those two styles in like a six minute set you know right, right. where i'm like i got ramen noodles right. i love ramen noodles <laughs> you know and then the next thing is like why does the elevator only go down why does not it go I, well, you know, that's a terrible machete but you know what i'm right. saying like i'm all right. and i'm like why aren't i getting laughs what's well, because you know you're 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 not being you like you got to figure right. out what's best about you and you, and didn't so that even goes re-
0: you probably never realized that you could take your sports background yeah. and use it in your thing
1: Hundred percent, and 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 you sort of once you figure out who, who you are on stage, who you are as a performer, who you are as a comic, or or even as a person, you kind of self actualize, and you go, I could sort of put a mask on and try to be a a a B minus version of my friend Rory, for example, who's this improvising wonderkin stoner lifestyle guy. I'm not that dude. It's right. okay. I mean, we're still great buds, but like, I'm not him. So, what can I do with my thing? And that's kind of when that radio sort of stuff goes. Well, you know yeah. what I could do. I think is- a great
0: a great thing to say right here is like if anyone's listening here, you have to figure out what instrument you're playing, and that's you the best don't way to know, yeah. right? Like you're like you're playing the drums. The next thing you know, you're trying to play the flute, and then you go to the saxophone. Like, so how do how do you realize that that is going to be your thing? The to use the voices and be because is this a sports radio station you're on or yeah. you? Were you only on one station the whole time? Yep, that's super rare, right? You Completely radio rare, guys
1: right. bounce around a lot. Absolutely, it, it's it's crazy to think about. You know, I mean, every all my it's it's funny to think about because all all my peers in comedy that I was like close with, kind of they were like, "Oh, we're so happy for you." They're not really they're like they don't get it. They're like, "Why would you pull off now? Why wouldn't you just wait to be a millionaire when you're in movies and on TV shows and stuff like that?" You know, like they kind of holding out for it. They didn't quite get it. They didn't quite get the appeal of like being at home, like you are talking about, like with a wife and kids and stuff like that. That didn't occur to them at like 28 when they're you're driving 12 hours to do a some college gig in the middle of nowhere or whatever. And then folks in radio kind of looked at me sideways. They're like, "This guy didn't pay his dues. This guy wasn't in Topeka, Kansas, and and you know an AM 10 watt station in Albuquerque. Like, what did this guy do? What did, how did this guy end up here? And then they'd kind of hear some of the normal comedy stories that we all have. You know, like the, the the I did a casino night where they didn't stop gambling. Uh, I did a, a show in Western Canada during the hockey playoffs at a trucker bar. You know, like just all the horrible shit that we've all had to do just where where people hate your guts. You still got to do 45 more minutes. Once they learn some of those things about this isn't just, you know, Chappelle at, at Lincoln Theater. They're like, oh, I understand. You kind of paid your dues in a different way. You know, right. like speaking to speaking to uh, angry crowds that hate your guts. So once they kind of figure that out, it was a little bit more welcoming, I think.
0: Got it so how does it turn into a job because usually you hear this a lot in radio and i've tried to play that game slightly in the philly market you know i would be on like like a popular radio station is Preston and steve they're a big morning show in philly mm-hmm. and i've been on it a million times and every once in a while like one of the producers is like oh they might need a comedy guy on uh, this other sports talk radio show Um, would you be interested in it? And you're like, I'm in my head going, do I, am I going to move my, how much money would that have to pay to move my wife and my kids and my wife's job to that? And is it a job? And usually it'll start with like what you did, which is drop in a lot. How, how, how does it evolve in your career into a, into a job? You're just dropping in and being funny at first, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Joe, there's nothing typical about it. and that that's what's kind of amazing is everybody that's because there are there are now a pretty decent number of comics that are in radio, just sort of in you know, it became kind of the in vogue thing where Sirius XM has like seven hundred different comics just basically doing a, a a podcast with five minutes of commercials, you know? right? Um, it, it's the kind of thing where people have realized, I think a lot of programmers have realized that what we do on stage actually translates instead of you can't do material every day to fill 4 hours right that's that's not what we're talking about but understanding how to keep a show going understanding how to you know be attentive and support the other person and to keep a bit rolling and whatever it is just the skills that you acquire dealing with a drunk heckler, the skills that you acquire, uh, you know, crafting material and, and thinking about your performance and, and, and everything else, the skills that, that good comics have figured out and just sort of are intrinsic to us really do translate to be part of an ensemble on the radio. So you get a right. bunch of guys that have some stand-up that are part of, you know, morning show teams or, uh, you know, kind of now full fledged broadcasters. And if you tuned in at five o'clock this afternoon, when we're talking, I mean, I'm in DC, so we're talking like quarterback of the, of the Washington football team. I probably want, there's a great chance I don't say anything funny for 30 minutes. And so that sort of ability to be allowed to do that is, is okay. But at first I think a lot of people were like, you know, I don't want to be stand up for four plus hours. I don't want someone to, to be like it feels like they're working material out on me for that amount of time. And people start to realize like, no, no, there's there's a skill set here where we can we can talk, we can make anything interesting, we can find a way to be compelling, we can, you know, change speeds a little bit and be loud, be quiet, be sarcastic, be, you know, interact with callers, all those kind of things are pretty natural translating skill sets.
0: I would think you have to have that same awareness as a comedian where mm-hmm. you you figured out that you wanted to do, you know, sports radio with your comedy skills. And then you get on the radio and now you have to figure out what do I do best on the radio? What What is that? Is that like, I don't know if you're a guy like in Philly. I've had him on my podcast. Also, Joe Conklin mm-hmm. does every voice of every guy that's on the Eagles, the Sixers, the Phil, he does the players, the coaches voices. Are you like, cause you're like, I mean the, the reason I asked you on the podcast is I saw you doing the Ch- Charles Barkley impression. Yeah. It really made me laugh. You were saying really funny shit while you were doing the impression. You weren't just thank you doing the impression. And you were, then you were talking to Charles Barkley and I saw the video. I think my brother sent it to me the first time and i was like oh i go he's funny i like this guy i'm going to have i'm going to ask him to do my podcast so uh are you a guy that does tons of voices or is it just occasional on the on the radio
1: yeah again you got to pick your spots man you you can't do you can't do four hours of, okay, Kenna, that's I before E. Welcome back to the show. We're going to talk about the basketball team now. They lost the game last night. Back to you. We can't do four hours of that. No, right? but it, you it, can do all- like
0: like what Conklin in Philly does is, you know, he pre records a bit yeah. where he's doing the voice and it's – or there's a fake fo- – we have Charles Barkley on the phone and he wants to talk about the Sixers game last night. Like, I'm sure it fits a ton on a sports radio show. So do you sit at home and work on voices that you know are good for the show or or like I guess I don't know what I'm asking here. Like there's certain <laughs> guys that do a million voices. Yeah. Are you a guy that is that guy? Or are you a guy that's like, I do four really good voices and I mix them in when I need to?
1: No, I do I do a lot. I, I do a lot of them, but it's yeah. it's the but you still gotta mix them. you know what I mean? Like again, uh-huh. you're I'm on my show's four and a half hours every day. So when you add it all up five days a week. You know, it's almost 23 hours a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't do 23 hours of voices. You probably can't even do an hour of voices before it gets old. Cause you know, you, I try to, there's, they're not a great analogy to it, but it's like, you, you still have to pick your spots no matter what. Right. And if it's a nice little supplement to a conversation where like, let's say a caller, um, for the sake of argument brings up wrestling as kind of using an analogy, right? Where it's basically mm-hmm. like, this reminds you of Vince McMahon. And so the next thing you know, the entire thing, next next commercial break, I'm doing Stone Cold, Steve Austin, right? But you right. can't do it for, for an hour. You know, you it's like you, you sort of slide it in, right? So it whatever in, it right. is, if, if it's on brand, it's kind of enhancing your show. And it's a way to sort of do something that other people in the market can't, right, that other that other competitors can't do. And it's it's always nice to leave people wanting – you to do more of those things instead of saying I've heard enough what's he what's he doing Charles Barkley for the 1000th time you know so right. it's, it, it's you got to mix it
0: and do you have sidekicks on the sh- on your show with you just a, a co-host to me and who's your co-host
1: a guy named Grant Paulson who is a uh just a wonderkin. he was on um he was on Letterman as a little kid he was uh, yeah so it's, it's kind of wild. He's was just his little sports nerd with a bowl cut at like nine years old and was one of these sports savants you know knew every stat every player studied Mm -hmm. everything and local sports guys in the dc area would have him on to like pick games and like let him give his reasoning you know like it's nice for a nine-year-old you kind of don't he doesn't know at the time that it's it's just because you're not but anyway letterman the letterman show calls him has him fly up, you know, on like a Tuesday night. It's like him and like Drew Barrymore or some kind of nonsense. And his like feet are dangling off the couch. And he ended up doing bits for Letterman at uh, at the Super Bowl, a couple different Super Bowls. Like stuff that they would write for him, you know, where they would go have him walk up to somebody and go, Hey man, how about an autograph? And the guy would go, sure. And then he would take out a pen and paper and write his name down and hand it to him. Or uh <laughs> Another one like hey, yeah, bought an autograph? And the guy would sign his name and he'd go, "Oh, so that's who you are." Just like funny shit like that, you know. Right, right. And he's been on the radio doing serious XM stuff and whatever for like 20 some years. So even though he's like 12 years younger than me, he's got three times the radio experience and chops um, uh, that I have. So we've been working together for we're in our 8th year now of doing the of doing shows together. Wow. And
0: are there rules with being on the radio? Like, are you not allowed to like, say you wanted to have a podcast on the side? There's rules, right? You can't, you gotta.
1: Yeah. You're, you're allowed are. to so be I, on
0: my podcast right now, but that's it. Yeah. You're allowed I was to supposed be to officially.
1: Yeah. I was supposed to ask for permission. Didn't do it. Figured it'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> Cause it's not going to cannibalize my, my listenership hopefully, but so pandemic hits like everybody else. I'm, I'm the unoriginal comic that started his own podcast. Like nobody's ever done that before. Um, but I had to get permission to do it. Where I'm like, listen, because it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense, Joe, if I was like, I want to do a sports podcast. Well, that's that's actually dumb if you think about it. You want less people to listen to your main show that like pays your mortgage and all that other kind of stuff. That's probably pretty stupid. So I started doing a a, a, my own thing that was kind of completely different, um, that had kind of nothing to do with sports or at least tangentially uh, was only sort of sports related. It's called You seem Interesting, where I take somebody that's accomplished and you know has achieved in a certain field learn about that field and kind of interview that person. Nice little, you know, sort of tidy, uh, 40 minute sort of deal. Right. So i have been right. doing that for a little over a year, which is fun to do. And it's been fun to grab guests and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, so there are, they're definitely pretty restrictive when it comes to, it comes to content. Understandably. So.
0: So towards the end here. So if you were to give somebody, uh, some, uh, Danny, I don't even know how to pronounce your last name. Or is it Roy Rohir? Rue Roy. Roy Rue th- Yeah. I, it sounds like a hockey player's last name.
1: Doesn't right? it? Yeah.
0: yeah, you're not you're not French Canadian, right?
1: No, uh, <laughs> regular just regular American dude with with a weird last name. There's <laughs> like one guy in our ancestry that like screwed it up for everybody. It's basically I'm <laughs> Scotch and Irish except for this one French dude that's like, hey, how's it going? I'm just siring sons, ruining uh, pronunciation guides.
0: So what's your pretender to contender uh, little tip for uh, for somebody out there that? W- especially if i mean we could go with your exact field like if they wanted to you know try to get into sports talk radio what's the you case? know so i've
1: listened to several of the episodes by the way i think i really like the vibe of the show my favorite one that you did was with uh brian Callen. a few a few weeks oh, yeah. back this guy's hilarious it's he's a, just so funny yeah so funny and it's a dude I, i've looked up to certainly for a long time um and one of the vibes i got something i kind of that crystallized for me from that conversation i don't know if you remember it but I still don't feel like a contender like, and that, that to me is the key. Is You never feel like you've arrived. There's always right. another thing to conquer. You know, there's always another um, accomplishment or whatever. And I think back to say like, you know, uh, 12 years ago or so in our tiny New York apartment where I'm like, man, it'd be awesome if I could get like, some money as a contractor to be on the station twice a week. That way we could pay our rent, you know, like thinking, thinking that way. And now I'm like, well, I was on TNT with Charles Barkley, but how do I monetize it? Like just these, like the how far I've come is awesome. And you should feel proud of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, there's always the next thing. There's always something else that you could be doing or, you know, trying to kind of, you know, be relentless in your self-promotion. There's a line between being obnoxious and being one of those comics that just insists that they're great. You know, those guys that, that sort of, you know, are always lingering around the clubs and just sort of behave like they're already arrived and famous and yeah. they make your skin crawl. Well, those right. guys get shit, you know, like being a little bit shameless is okay. Saying right. like, hey, my 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 thing is worth looking at. My ability is worth uh, is worth something. Here's what I've already done. Here's what I plan on doing. Kind of stick to that. I'm not saying you, you know, you 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 get to you know open up your hand secret style and just declare that you're a CEO or have a billion dollars because that stuff's stupid and doesn't work. But what does work is a little self-confidence, but what does work is also kind of mixing that confidence with the hunger where you say, I've never I've not arrived, I'm not done until maybe retirement. I've got a long way and I got a lot of things that I that I'd like to accomplish, a lot of things I'd like to knock over. Well, um, a you, lot of you know you walls got, knock
0: over. Well you definitely carry yourself like a broadcaster, and that probably comes from being on the radio all the it time. It does like you sound like a guy that could just put a freaking suit jacket and a tie on and just walk <laughs> right into Monday night football and do the job. You know I, I, I hope mean? so.
1: I appreciate that, dude. Thanks.
0: But is that is that something that you wanna be? Would you wanna be a a, a, a broadcaster on camera?
1: Oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. I mean, but the the play by play world is I mean, beyond cutthroat, like our thing is nuts, yeah. right? As you know, play by play is even harder. I mean, it's basically, are you devastatingly handsome with a great set of pipes? And then do you have the chops? Mm-hmm. And so I, maybe I have one out of those three, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> at most, yeah. I think my voice is okay. Uh, but the skill it takes to to really, really do it, and especially with kind of social media and how savvy they want uh, guys and gals to be who are, who are in that world it is really really hard there's a lot of like i'm calling a single a baseball game for for 18 people um and and sending out my stuff and and living off of of you know peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off and ramen and shit for years and years and years and you still might not make it i mean it is a really really hard life but yeah i mean that'd be amazing if i if i got to do something like that that would be really cool well i
0: think i think you know in, in this episode, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of advice. I mean, all, what I hear is that you're, you're doing the math too much of, of, oh, could that happen or am I good enough looking or, and I think if you just simplify things and people listening could do the same, it's the hard part is knowing what you really want. Like if you Mm -hmm. said to me, Joe, I, you know, I want to be the guy, like I have a friend I haven't talked to him in a while. We were friendly for a while. He's on the air. He's he does radio on the side, but he's the guy that comes on pregame and postgame for any Philly sports. This guy mm-hmm. Michael Barkan in Philly. He's a big, you know, on-camera guy and uh you know, he's not some super great-looking guy or anything like that. I mean, but I I think it starts with what 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 do i want like that's what i feel like has changed in me in the last three years is i know specifically what i want and then i just go try to do what i want so then uh, i either get there or i don't get there but at least i know what that thing is and then i'm just trying to do it so i mean it's the same way you got your radio job you kind of knew you wanted to do that if you if there was something bigger there that you want Sometimes you just have to fucking ask. Isn't it yeah. amazing? You're That's like, oh, yeah, one, right? I never asked. Hey, how do I get on camera to do what we do on the radio? You know, don't they? It seems like in, in, in small markets, it's a DC a little smaller than Philly where the radio people are on are on camera and the on camera. People are on the radio a lot, too. Is it the same that there?
1: Pretty similar, yeah. So D.C. and Philly flip-flop in terms of the Arbitron uh, market sizes. So it's mm-hmm. around six or seven, depends on the year that mm-hmm. it does. So I think Philly just jumped ahead of D.C. Um, this last go-around. So, you know, metropolitan areas, total Q and listenership and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's it's one of these, like, modern evolutions that you're talking about where the local sports network, TV-wise, whatever it happens to be, and radio a lot of times get intertwined, and there's there's something to it. So our morning show on the sports station is also on the NBC Sports Washington uh, television shows. are simulcast. There's an NBC Sports Philly, NBC Sports whatever. You know, there's a lot of those kind of tie-ins. Right. And there's a nice little relationship there. Now, it just so happens, if they don't love you, that's the only game in town. Like, if you want to do a little extra TV stuff. So, right. uh, And I happen to, for a lot of years, have been in that category where they're not huge fans of mine for, you know, whatever kind of reason. But, um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where there are always management changes and there's certainly opportunities that kind of rear their heads. And, you know, you, you always kind of want to be front of mind for, for those sorts of things when the new exec comes in or the new booker comes in or, or whatever, keep, keep throwing stuff out there and saying, Hey, that guy might be good for this. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's where knowing what that is
1: mm-hmm. makes
0: getting it easier. Cause if you know, for a fact, that's, what I want to do then. And you know, for a fact that that's not going to happen in the DC market, you could be trying to get that to happen in other markets. You could take, you know, so I mean, um, that's huge. And and, and it's really hard to, to know. It's like, it's weird how uh, I think in show business, maybe it's harder to know because it's like you're kind of we can do lots of things so you get confused you're like am I a voiceover actor am I a regular actor am I a radio broadcaster yeah. what the? oh I'm a, oh wait I'm a guy that makes these funny voices and I put them on TikTok and I can get paid to do that it's like there's so many ways huh. yeah
1: yeah that, that's again that's one of the things that's wild is is I love what I'm doing I love the balance I love kind of the combo but if somebody came tomorrow and was like hey do this variety show where you dress up and do sketches and as and do impressions okay i will do that you know so there's so it's hard in that sense that that the whole buffet is open to me that i'd love Mm -hmm. to do it but at the same time it's hard to be able to say i want that i want that show or i want this thing kind of by design you know
0: yeah well yeah i guess that happens sometimes you get bored you're like you know what i'm i'm bored of my job i hate the way this feels i don't enjoy going there every day that that's a sign that's telling you okay i gotta go ask and try to do some other shit um so uh all right so what do you so wh- where can they listen to you every day and i'm sure this is on the internet too your most stations now it's like mm-hmm. they can listen from anywhere right
1: yeah very simple uh you got the odyssey app if you if you, it used to be radio.com Easy I was to check out it out there. today i
0: was listening to philly sports when my parents yeah. were here the audit super Aud- simple is da- to, that to to new?
1: out here in dc the grant and danny show is the name of a name of the show you can go to grant danny.com or find uh, 1067 The Fan on the Odyssey app in uh, in Washington D.C. Twitter at Funny Danny Humorous Danny on Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I I always getting those socials up, bro.
0: Yeah, you gotta you gotta go check uh, Danny's blowing up as the uh, the <laughs> white guy that does Charles Barkley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty, and that's what it is too, dude. Like, nobody can believe it. I got my first lip syncing accusation the other day, which is such a compliment. You know, like some dude that uh, that's like, I love Duke, you know, and uh, has nothing but like retweeted QAnon memes is like, am I the only one who thinks this is lip synced? Quite literally. Yes, you are stupid. But like, that's what's so perfect? It's such a compliment, number one. But number two, of course, it has to come from a stupid goblin. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other way for that to be uh, any anything else. <laughs>
0: All right, dude. Well, thanks for talking to me, man. You got to go do a uh, you got to go do a job now. What do you have? The two o'clock
1: slot? Yeah, that's right. Afternoon, afternoon drive? drive, man. Can I can I tell you one story about your brother before we go? Yeah, I would love so, to hear it. Freshman year, our first road trip. So his his junior year, my freshman year, we go to Tulane. Right, Tulane's pretty good. We're okay. We ended up losing all the games. That doesn't matter. We're flying back on the team on, on the plane. Right, regular uh, regular flight. You know, we don't have a charter flight or anything like that. We're all wearing our same gear right like you know like your gw baseball gear right it's a full bodysuit type thing whatever mm-hmm. and i'm sitting next to a guy and chris is like seven rows back and so this dude big jersey tough guy like a heart tattoo you know like a knife through it or whatever mm-hmm. so he's sitting there like doing this doing like he's like a character he's like so what are you what are you fucking guys a team what are your team or something like what are you I'm like yeah you know we're, we're a baseball team it was fucking baseball team. what are you, what are, you what are you 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 you're dressed the same what is this Like, yeah, you know, we're getting on the team. We're getting on the flight and we all look alike. So we don't lose anybody or whatever. Not joking. Like wishing he would stop talking to me. He's like, you got any guys from Jersey? Like literally. (laughs) I was like, yeah, actually. I was like, this dude, uh, Chris is from Cherry Hill. He goes, get the fuck out of here. Cherry Hill. Where's he at? I know what you're going to say. He's back here. You know, seven rows back. And so he turns around. I'm like, I don't like Other people on the plane. Like, I'm very embarrassed. Like, this is all very awkward for me. And he's like, yo, you Cherry Hill? And your brother all of a sudden is talking in a normal voice, but then then like it's like he all of a sudden raises up because it's now Jersey time, right? <laughs> and so now he like grabs his nuts. He's like, "Yeah, I'm fucking Cherry Hill." What about you? What are you? And he goes, "What are you, Cherry Hill?" I was East, and your brother just kind of nods at him. He goes, "I was West."
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: He goes, I was West. As like, I, <laughs> I was like, West. That's enough, you know, because he's Cherry Hill West. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, uh, you you know, like, you know, uh, you know, Bagarush. And he's like, I fucking know. But over the plane, <laughs> hundreds of people are now in this conversation. And so eventually the guy's like, you know, you know, you know, old man, Smythe. Of course I fucking know old man, Smythe. Guy was my fucking coach. Yo, bro. He was my fucking dad, bro and he's like oh shut the fuck and like they're yelling and finally our coach is just saying, like you have to stop you literally have to stop someone has informed the captain and like they think the plane is under attack uh my,
0: my brother's still that way it's still that way he has so if you
1: tell him if you tell him i was west he'll he'll know
0: he knows i i swear we have about three or four different stories where you bring up cherry hill and people just go east or west that's yeah. all. that's all they say east or west <laughs>
1: I was west. which is their thank way of
0: saying jewish or not jewish that's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> jew or gentile oh, oh, shit. protestant or catholic that's so funny dude
0: fucking great all right dude thank you man i really appreciate you doing this and uh yeah uh maybe i'll uh i would love to come on to the uh if i knew enough about dc sports i'm not <laughs> My brother's the sports guy. I'm like, I, I watch the Sixers games, and then when they're out of it, I won't watch any more NBA for the rest of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're, uh, your NBA season is over now. Sorry about yeah. that, dude.
0: Yeah, I had to watch it with my parents last night. It was bad. And, uh
1: it's like watching a sex scene with your parents, probably.
0: Yeah, we had a feeling. We had a feeling <laughs> just because... Uh, I don't know. They they just they they weren't
1: that good. Yeah. yeah, just because of the process and how this was all 6 7 years in the making and you knew it wasn't yeah. going to work.
0: I don't know if this is like a Philly sports fan thing, but when there was a moment where my dad and I watched in the game last night where we were like even if they win this, who are they beating? <laughs> That's how we are. We're like, they're not that good. Like, you know, I go, they don't have, a, they don't have an Allen Iverson. They don't it's have so a Dr. Just, J. Like, I know, what, I know what a team looks like when they can win the NBA Finals, and this is nowhere close to it.
1: It is a Philly sports thing. I mean, it's, it's mid-Atlantic kind of New York Philly. D.C.'s got this little bit, too, where it's you're going, even if they win, they're going to lose. You know, like, you can't even be happy. Like if they won last night, you'd be like fucking Milwaukee's going to do it. You know, like,
0: (laughs) well, you gotta, you gotta, it's the same thing with you go and I'm not this. It's like you, I sit there and go, I know how many, like all stars you need to have on your team to win the NBA finals. Like you're not doing it with this team. They're not that good.
1: That's so funny. With Ben Simmons shot as many times in the fourth quarter as you and I did over the last three games. I, yeah, Weird, when,
0: when you're watching the NBA player and you're going,
1: I think I would have, I think I could have, I think I could have thrown up a layup
0: right there. I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't be comparing my white self to this fucking amazing NBA player.
1: I'll go two for ten from the foul line, bro. I could do it. <laughs>
0: exactly. All right, dude, you're the you're the radio guy. You're probably better at at strong outs. You guys probably <laughs> give me a give me a radio out for my podcast. How do you like? What's the key being a radio guy? You guys know how to fucking cut to commercials so you gotta,
1: well. A, you got to get out, but B, you got to tease. The whole point is is occasions, right? You want someone when the commercial break comes to say, "Oh, I got to tune into the next thing." So because we're done for the week, right? You're right. gonna tease the next episode because you want someone to be in the habit. So who's on next week? uh nobody i nobody
0: I I, I I haven't been doing guests a lot lately like you're right. the you know i like going no guests and i uh and i use callers a lot so next week uh next week we'll have uh, a lot of callers talking about uh life and uh things that are going on with me are you ready yeah
1: Thanks so much to my guest, Danny Ruyo. You can check him out again at grantanddanny.com. The Odyssey app available to download. Used to be radio.com. Now it is Odyssey. That's going to do it for us here at Pretender to Contender. I'm Joe Matteries. Next week, your calls. What the hell's wrong with Philadelphia? Can I ever be happy? Tune in next week, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Boom, right?
0: Dude, that's so great. I yes. wish I, I need that talent. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to quit and manage you. <laughs>
1: Tens of dollars will change hands, bro. <laughs> All
0: right, dude. Thanks for the out. And uh yeah, dude. Let's stay in touch. Let's stay in touch.
1: Sounds good, my friend. Thanks I, for having
0: me. I can't wait for my brother to listen to this episode.
1: I hope he likes it.
0: All right, man. Later.
1: I'm gonna roll. See you dude. Bye.